Welcome to the Cancel This Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Slatel. This show is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to hit topics of today head on, but use a biblical perspective along with some fun and encouraging guests to work our way through them. There's a good chance some of the issues and stories we talk about on this podcast are going to rile up the so-called cancel culture running amok. But guess what? I really don't care. As a fireman of 22 years, I responded to much louder, darker, and scarier scenes than anything these folks can throw my way. So sit back, relax, turn the volume down just a bit because I have a tendency to be loud and enjoy the ride. So in today's show, I'm bringing on my dear friend, Billy Hallowell. Billy, I could go down your resume and your bio, and it's going to take half the show. So instead, I'm going to let you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, what you do when you've come into media, why you podcast and all that good stuff. But welcome to the show, Billy. I'm ex- I'm super excited to be here and to talk about the show and to dive into all that. But you asked me for like kind of a mini resume. So I'm going to, I'm going to condense it this way. (laughs) I am a journalist and an author, you know, and the weird thing about my story is that I started when I was 15 years old. So as a museum curator, right? Luke, Lucas miles threw that out there that you're a museum curator. Lucas threw that out there to you because it is true. I did work in a museum when I was a teenager. That was my first job. And I worked in a museum for years. That was like a nine year job. But when I went off to college, I studied journalism and I started as a writer at 15 and wow. um, I started as a public speaker at 15. And so I never really looked back. So I'm going to be 38 in like a week and a half. Right. And wow. I've been doing this now, which is amazing for like more than half of my life. So, you know, my passion is really to tell good stories, but to point people to Jesus. Right. And that's what you know, has always been my passion, but it's become an increasing sort of burden in the last couple of years. And so everything that I dive into or any blessing that God puts in my path to be able to do, that's my focus. How can I turn people, you know, toward Jesus? Bro, I love that so much. And so when I came to you and some other folks that I've talked with and said, hey, I have this really cool idea of the cancel this podcast. I know a lot of people look, well, hold on a second. Are we going to go and stir up and rile up people and get them mad, you know, like provoke the quote, cancel culture? And my response was, no, what I want to do is bring a biblical approach to a lot of the nonsense that's hitting the church. And let's be honest, that the church is throwing out there to the secular world and say, you guys, stop it. Can't we just all listen to each other without canceling one another? I'm going to be bringing guests on that, quite honestly, theologically, I don't line up with their views or my views do not line up with theirs and vice versa. But does that mean I should just shun them, cancel them and not listen to them? Well, I honestly don't believe there's any growth in that. Vice versa, I might bring in some secular folks and be very safe with them and let them know, hey, my heart is for the Lord. Obviously, yours isn't. Let's have a good conversation. I want to hear what you have to say, because what it reminds me of is being in the fire service. We would sit at the dinner table and you'd have a Democrat, you'd have a Republican, a Christian, a Muslim, a quote, nothing when it came to religion, which was me at the beginning of my career. And we would have some good conversations and they wouldn't get heated. 
but we would be very clear with our opinions, but we would also listen to the other guy's opinion. And then when we were done, we got up and we did the dishes. We laughed it up. And when the bell hit off, we would go out the door to a fire shooting, a medical, whatever it was, and we would help other people. So we were different, but we're on mission to do the same thing. And that's something that I wanted to bring into this podcast. So I, everything you just said is is so essential because this whole cancel culture, I call it cancer culture, mm-hmm. uh, because really it is a cancer. Like what you just described is the ability for people to get together and to disagree and to maybe at moments have passionate and impassioned conversation and then walk away not hating each other. And what our current culture is doing because, and I, I, I honestly believe this, I want to hear what you think, but the obsession with the self. This idea that everything about ourselves is all that matters and it's my truth and then it's your truth, but my truth is all that matters. That obsession has led us to a place where we can no longer tolerate other people's perspectives, which is bizarre. Uh, And when you look at this, and I can go on a whole TED talk and I won't do that to you, but what I will say. (laughs) No, go ahead. Write down your three points. Let's go for it. I'm in. (laughs) I mean, when when you look at universities, right? And this is Mm -hmm. just an example. Universities are overwhelmingly very progressive places. They overwhelmingly will, certain colleges will not allow conservative speakers in, okay? Now, I bring that up because there is actually nothing more damaging to a liberal and to liberal students than restricting the access to other people's perspectives. How do you know what you believe? Okay, and this just goes back to your fire example too. How can you know what you really believe if you've never heard what someone else believes, if you've never heard a challenge to what you believe, if you can never even respond to that in any way? And so what we've bred is this really crazy culture where everyone's obsessed with themselves. They don't want to listen to anybody else. And nothing good comes from that. So I love that you're doing this show. What are you – so like – because I'm going to turn this on you now. Yeah, no, go for it. Yeah, let's do it. What is your – biggest hope for each episode? Because you kind of described how you want it to be. At the end of every episode, what do you want the audience thinking and feeling? Well, that's, I think the word thinking is just that I want them to walk away thinking as opposed to walking away with an opinion already formed on what we talked about. Think about about what that pastor said, what, hey, perhaps it was someone that used to work in the porn industry who never, who doesn't work there anymore, and Christ rescued out of that injury. Think about what a dumb fireman, me from West Oakland, has to say. Think about this for a little while without shutting it down, because I love to joke about myself, but the jokes sometimes come from a little bit of the pain that I felt because people won't take me serious. They'll be like, oh, you dropped out of high school in the 10th grade. I'm like, yeah. And what'd you do then? Well, I joined the fire department shortly thereafter. Well, how'd you join without having a high school diploma? I went back and I challenged it and I got it. Well, then you're not smart enough to talk in this topic. And then I'll Hmm. go, why is it just because you sat in a university or you went through seminary but you did not sit on the back of a fire engine for 22 years responding to people who were taking their final breaths as their eternities were being locked in and 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 put, drawn from that and being able to take that to other people and bring that perspective to folks. Why does that make you better than me? But not do it in a me, me, I, I way. I want it to be like, hey, man, some of the greatest wisdom ever handed down to me came from some f- homeless folks. Who, who were just straight out of their minds in a worldly sort of way. And so I want to bring that into play. I also want people to, to challenge me 
like like with me, you know me. I a lot of people like to say, Jason, you're a Calvinist or this. I'm like, oh, stop it. I, I'm a follower of Christ who has really good men above me who help me try to figure out all of this as I'm going through it. But I've seen some miracles in the world. But these guys over here like, don't ever talk about those miracles. I'm like, well, why can't I? Then I have the people who would be like the quote Pentecostal crowd being talk about the miracles, leave it all Holy Spirit. Oh, don't worry about the infallible word of God. You know? So I want to bring all that to the table and then just play with it and have talks with people. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I will tell you, and you know this about me, when I investigate a topic, when I go after a topic in a book, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've tackled some difficult topics. It's always fascinating to me. I, I wrote a book about the end times a few years back, mm-hmm. and it was, from a, it was from a journalist perspective. What do Christians believe? Mm-hmm. And this idea of cancel culture, it is interesting because there are a lot of people in theology who would love to cancel out the other person's theological right. view. You talk about something like the rapture, which we're not going to, we don't need to get into the ins and outs, <laughs> but right. the rapture might be one of the most controversial concepts within the church because there's so much angst. And as I was doing the interviews for the book, people are like angry talking about the right. rapture. How can these other people believe it's the other way? And so I think we get hung up and I, and I love, I know you're going to cover some of this. We get so hung up on things that are not salvation issues. Right. Like the rapture is an important thing to talk about, but it's not a salvation issue. It has nothing to do with whether or not you believe Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose again and and forgave you. It has nothing to do with that. And again, that doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it, but I think to be that angry, and that's just one example, and it's a strange example, but it's one. There's a lot of other ones. No, it's a great example. It's a great example because that's something we go with. So people will come at me, and I try to sometimes look at a discussion like that as I'm on a shooting scene where I'm trying to treat the, the innocent victim who was shot. But maybe the innocent victim got it, you know, a shop owner got a shot off on the bad guy who was robbing him. And now I'm having to treat both parties without judging, right? Well, let's keep it real. I'm really angry at the criminal that walked in and blasted this local shop owner that I know. But I also know if I don't stop the bleeding on him, he's going to die. Well, I am not the judge. I am not the jury. I am not on that side over there. My job is to show up and care. So when people hit me, Jason, what do you think of the rapture? Dude, I don't walk the fence to be weak. I walk in and say, man, keep your lamp full. Okay, keep it full of oil. Keep it burning. God and, and through Christ Jesus and his infallible word, he commands us to do this. He says, do this. I'll worry about the rest. Now, if the rapture happens and, and Billy and I are caught up in it and everyone else are caught up, in it, I sure hope we turn to God's infallible word and do what we've been commanded as opposed to saying, Billy, I don't agree with your term. Shame on you for, no, don't do that. Just try to follow his word. So I'm a follow the word guy, but I also jokingly say I leave room for the Holy Spirit. And for those of you that get ready to come at me and say, Jason, you don't believe in the Holy Spirit? Oh, 100% I do. But sometimes we don't leave enough room. Other times I'm like, well, was that Holy Spirit or was that Billy? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah, so, no, yeah. it, it's, and I think I love the fact that on this show, on Cancel This, you're going to have people who you might not agree with. Mm-hmm. You're going to have, and you mentioned this, like people who you may have differences, big differences mm-hmm. on, on issues. There's not enough of that going on. And I know the show is going to have people you agree with, people you don't. It's going to be a mix. But, but giving people a chance to hear those conversations, there are not enough models Right. of people being able to communicate 
and walk away as friends, just like you did around that fire table. That is so essential, it is so important. And mm-hmm. I always tell people, it's not about, I want you to hear my view, so your your position changes, or you need to listen because it's going to be some kumbaya moment. Mm-hmm. You know, you, most people aren't going to change. It takes a lot to change people on, on different issues, right? But to right. hear it and to understand, I understand why pro-choice people feel mm-hmm. the way they do about abortion. I understand every argument because I've looked at it all a trillion times as a journalist. I have my own views, though, that are not going to change about the morality of abortion, right? Right, but right. But now I understand my views better, and I can say, okay, I understand that complex situation you've described, and I can show some compassion for it while right. still not abandoning the truth, right? That's right. important. It's so good, you know, and to fall into that, um, Abby, Abby Johnson, is that her name? I always mess up yes. names. Abby, yes. her, the movie that they, that they made off of her book, it was phenomenal. Yeah. And, and then to also see, you know, when I listen to her podcast and hear her views on stuff, is there's total compassion in there. But what I love about folks like her, folks like you, and what I try to strive for is we have values. Then there's rights. Okay, so I look at, all right, this is a touchy area, especially as a man speaking in this. And I believe men can have a voice in the abortion issue as much as a woman. But let's be honest, over past history, men have marginalized women a lot. And sometimes when we've marginalized them and shut them down, act like we're almighty and powerful, maybe now it's hard for them to hear the compassionate voice we're having to throw or we're trying to throw out there for life. So I see all sides. And again, you know me, I always equate everything back to my 20 plus years in the fire service because I raised myself as a child as, as you know, you know, I get, you got to read my book and stuff and it goes with, wow, Jason raised himself being in an abusive household. Then I was raised by the fire department. So I fall back into that and I look at it was I would respond into a Muslim household and I had to bring them just as much respect dignity and everything they deserved as if I ran into a Southern Baptist house and provided them with medical care. I need to go into each situation first off with compassion because everyone always falls into Jesus when there's lack of compassion. Oh, Jesus turning over the tables, you know, in, in the temple. I'm like, yo, settle down. Can we maybe talk about the woman at the well and some other things? Man, I was a compassionate Jesus. Well, right. and when you put it in context, what what was going on, you know, inside God's house, you have a very mm-hmm. different that that wasn't the normal everyday. Right. Somebody right. me off, and now I'm going to flip table. <laughs> right. It was a specific example of what was happening. And I was just reading that with my kids actually yesterday in the kids Bible, and it was interesting how the kids Bible handles it. But you see, there's something very unique going on there. Most of the things we see happening with Jesus are moments of compassion, of healing people, of, I mean, goodness, go through all of the Gospels and you see, yes, Jesus, and you can look at Revelation and you can see Mm -hmm. an image of Jesus there. But again, in the context of what is happening in Revelation, that's a very different context. We see very clearly who Jesus is, and he very specifically calls us to love God and love others. And not like, oh, just be nice to the enemy who annoyed you. Be nice to that liberal or that conservative who upset you. Clothe your enemies. Feed your enemy. And like, it's this is like a radical kindness to people who do not deserve it. Because we right. don't deserve what right. he's giving. Right? And right. that's the thing. So I, I love all of this. And I think it's so incredibly important that you're going to be doing this on this show. And bringing people in to have to have those uncomfortable 
conversations. Th- these mm-hmm. are not always easy conversations to have with people. My go-to is if I've treated people kindly, that, that doesn't mean I'm going to just like allow you to, I'm going to push back, but I'm right. going to be kind about it. I'm not going to name call. I'm going to be loving. And sometimes people are still going to hate you no matter what. But as long as you know you lived out that love others right. piece of that puzzle, you're good. You're listening to the Edify Podcast Network. We'll be right back. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. This is the Edify Podcast Network. Welcome back. You know what I do? When, when someone gets angered, when I bring them the truth, right? And when I'm saying the truth that I try to back up all that I do with scripture. Now, more times than not, I find I could have done better. Okay. So when someone walks away angry from the conversation we have, instead of trying to figure out why they're angry, I always do a self-reflect. I love to hold things up in a mirror and say, all right, Jason, how could you have done this better? Where can you grow from this situation? What what did you not do right? Now, the easy way out is for me, obviously, oh, they're rebelling against God. So it's between them and God, not them and me, which is an honest answer. There's many times I've held a mirror up and I'm looking like, God, I'm thinking everything here was done correctly. And he's like, yeah, it has been done correctly. And then I look like, okay, well, then their anger is between them and you, not them and me. But I don't want to use that excuse because so many times, let's be honest here, man, Christians, we can hide behind scripture and we can shotgun it, spit it. We can throw it out there and then hide behind it. And and so I love to try to do it a wee bit different. So when people say, well, what are your doctrinal values? What do you what do you believe? Well, I believe Genesis through the indices. Yes, I know the indices is the revelation <laughs> to John. <Okay. laughs> I, I believe it was breathed out by God. Is there history? Is there everything? It's all there. But to me, the gospel starts in Genesis 1-1 and goes all the way through there. Absolutely. And it's balance. So I want to fall back onto that all times and bring a balanced approach to people and also self-reflection in what I've got going on. You know, I, I often think of the example, you know, I teach I teach college students, students communications and speech. And yeah, you know, I think of this example of the bakers, the the Christian bakers and the gay couples who come in, right? Okay, to, out of Colorado, get, correct? Out of the Colorado yeah. thing? Yeah, okay. Yeah, there's the Colorado example. There's the Oregon example. And, you know, it's interesting. You have this scenario where you have these Christian bakers. The gay couples come in. They say, hey, we want a cake for our wedding. And the Christian bakers say, you know what? I'm sorry. We don't do, we don't serve gay weddings, but here's a list of bakers you can talk to over here that will do it. And then you end up in a lawsuit. Like you Mm -hmm. end up in this scenario where you actually have so many feelings about this, right? In culture. And and one side is completely convinced that one side is hundred percent right. The other side is completely convinced that the other side is. But what's really interesting about this is that if we all take a step back and we try to understand, I'm not saying there isn't a right answer because I think there is a legal Mm -hmm. right answer. Uh, mm-hmm. But we take a step back and we say, okay, one side is arguing that the First Amendment protects them. 
It protects their religious association. It protects their general association with something. And they should not be forced or compelled to use their their ability to perform art to do something or convey a message they don't agree with. Mm-hmm. On the other side, you have a group of people who are saying we're protected under the 14th Amendment. We have equal protection under the law. We've come to a business. We feel discriminated against. We're embarrassed by the interaction. You have these two. It's a clash of rights. It's one person or one group's right versus another person mm-hmm. or another group's right. And I think that's important for us to understand. Then we can move forward and make a determination of what we believe to be the right thing. Right. And I can get into what the, I think if you want. But but at the end of the day, I think that's way more complicated than the initial reaction that people are going to have to that. Right. right. Either well, side. well, what what I've learned is any issue, you're going to have people run with it, the, the, the quote, extremists. And when I'm saying extremists, I'm saying people that just want to prove their point right away and they're going to run with it. So with the bakers and the cake issues, I hear it. And so when the extremists on all sides run with it and there's no open ears, open hearts, and let's be honest, an open Bible on our side, we're doing it wrong. And so I look into it and this is a touchy area that I am going to go into is talking about Black Lives Matter. People ask me, Jason, do Black Lives Matter? (laughs) Yes. Then they stop. They go, well, do all lives matter? That's a separate question. Yes. But I understand because I worked in a predominantly black neighborhood in West Oakland, three doors down from where the Black Panther Party started. I grew up in an all white neighborhood in Southern California. Not by choice of my own. Does that make me a racist? No. Does that make me be in a spot where I need to learn some stuff? By all means, I need to learn other cultures because I didn't as a child. So here I am in this neighborhood and I've over my career held hundreds of young black men who were taking their final breaths as their eternities were being locked in. There wasn't a white guy in that picture. There was, it was all young black men. I'm talking about my neighborhood. So when people ask about that black lives matter, Guess what? In my neighborhood, I understood where they're coming from because we had something going on in our neighborhood and the neighborhood rallied together and said, yo, black lives matter. Now, where I kind of help people understand that was I live in an area of California where it's predominantly white. And if I automatically come at people and say, hey, black lives, matter," their ears shut down. They, they totally shut down. I say, listen to this. Imagine if one of my children, God forbid, Isaac or Noah, my, my two children, they were hit by a car. And so in front of my house, I started some of this says, hey, Noah's life mattered. Well, do you know how angry I'd get if someone else from across town says, well, all child's lives matter? Dude, it was a neighborhood thing. It was a community thing. And I embrace it. And I come in there and I embrace it. And I go, yes. And I'm not even going to come in there and say, all lives matter. Because they're talking about a neighborhood. They're talking about a group of right here where something's going on. But as I mentioned, you have extremists. And I know I'm getting in touchy areas. But you have the national group that then goes in there, heist the mantra, Black Lives Matter. Let me throw another one at you. Stay home, stay safe. Dude, mantras that don't have anything attached with them destroy things. That's why Twitter can be so dangerous. Dude, I could throw a four word sentence out on Twitter, which really actually makes sense, but man, it's going to stir up people and it's going to cause more strife than good. That's why we got to learn the content of what's going on. So when people go, well, BLM, 
absolutely adore it. Oh, the big national thing? Nah, dude, I'm not going to hop on board with that. And I right, can't you're hop on board. Sentiment. You're not right. You know, and, and but this is what we la- we lack the ability to discern context, and this mm-hmm. is something that social media has made so toxic. The ability to say, "Oh, of course, Black Lives Matter," but no, I don't support the organization that wants to social engineer and has all these other things in their charter that have nothing to do right. with the sentiment, or that are in addition to this sentiment. There is a difference between the logo that represents an organization and the sentiment. And I think people people struggle with that because it requires more than a quick 160 you know, character, 140, mm-hmm. whatever it is now, and Twitter right. 280, forget, response. Right. Um, and and that, is, that is a major problem. It does not shock me, you know, for as advanced as we've become technologically as a society, with all these communication issues that we have going on and all of this chaos and hatred and anger, it doesn't shock me that when it comes to something like race, something that we should be more equipped than ever to discuss. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying all the issues are fixed. I'm saying to discuss it and have that roundtable that you were talking about. We should be able to do that. We are less able to do it than, than ever before, maybe, um, right. or at least in modern modern history because of all these other factors. And so how do we challenge ourselves to move forward into a place where we can do that? We have those uncomfortable conversations. That's what we do we have because to. that's what we understand. We yeah. have to. So if someone asks me, you know, the simple question, does God hate racism? Yes. Then there's a side of me. So like on when I worked in the fire department with an all black crew and being the only white guy, when people say you don't see color, I laugh. I go, yes, I do. It's just one little piece of the definition of how God made you. He made you so awesome and so much in his likeness. And 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 when, you know, I, I go cautious because when you say he's a diverse God and no, he's, you know, he's the perfect God knows, but he created diversity and he wants us to embrace it. And he wants us to love it. And he wants us to learn it and everything. So when people say, Jason, how do you feel about racism? I say, well, I'll tell you how I feel about the racist. And bro, again, this is the fireman coming out of me. I want to punch racists in their throat. Okay, I really do. Now, the Christian side of me says, pull back. Let's look at our response. And honestly, when I look at a way to how I would respond to it from a culture that was not raised in the black culture, I'm looking at Martin Luther King. I really am. I look at his writings. I look at, you know, everyone talks about his speeches. I'm like, do you guys understand those were sermons? Those were sermons. Yeah, exactly. Right, man. And, 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 and so it's the, the word of God was pouring out of that's where I turn to. But I also give the level and I don't want to say empathy or sympathy, man, I, I truly want to be able to look at God. And when someone tells me that they're hurting because of the racism they went through, I want to look at God and be able to say, I heard them. And that's what it's about. I heard them. And it doesn't and it may mean. And I think this is where the challenge is. And it's not just on the race, the racism issue. Mm-hmm. It's on a lot of other issues. It may mean that you need to listen to something that you may not agree with the end result of. You may not agree with the, I don't believe that's what that person was experiencing. Now, that mm-hmm. gets tricky, right? But you it may does. feel that way. You may feel right. that way. That doesn't mean your feelings are right about it either, by the way. Right. But what do you do with that? You, right. you have honesty and respect. That's what you do with it. You make sure that you respect others in a kind and compassionate way. Exactly. And those are going to be, again, the issues we're hitting. Like the other day, I had a great conversation with a friend of mine. And we were talking about his lifestyle choices, which I'm like, you have rights. We have values, which hear me say, 
then we have rights. I don't want to live in an America where we have one set of rights for Christians, then we have another set of rights for non-Christians. I don't want to live in an America where we have one set of rights for for uh, uh, Jason and then another set of rights for... I want all rights to be equal. Now, if we want to have a convert, and I don't even call them hard conversations, but if someone comes at me and says, what does your Bible say about this? Because when I tell people, this is where my truth comes from. I, I fall back on God's infallible word. I'm just that guy. And I say, well, this is what the Bible says. And this is where my truth comes from. And we'll have a talk about that. But don't shut me down by saying you don't get right. I'm saying you don't get rights. I'm saying I have been bathed in the Holy Spirit. The old Jason who walked as an atheist for 27 years, I didn't believe in this book. I called the Bible the book of lies. Now it's the infallible word of my perfect father, God, who is in heaven. And that's where I fall back to. So I treat it as such, but I also treat you in a loving, kind, caring way as yes, you get the same rights as me in this country. And I don't want that to change. I think it's important. And I think that's so important. We have to be able to, and I actually think the better posture for a Christian is to be in a scenario where you're having a discussion about morals and ethics and values and what you believe to be right based on God's standards instead of a discussion about legalities. Right. There are, there are certain issues that fine, you, you know, we can have all sorts of conversations about prostitution and drug legalization and other things. But when something has been settled legally, you then move into let's talk about the real issue, the, the ethics of something, the morality Good. of something. And I think I think that is a better place to be. I don't know that everybody realizes that yet, but it, you have a stronger ability to make an impact when you're no longer arguing about something. The legality of something doesn't really dissuade somebody mm -hmm. from believing it's right or wrong necessarily always. And so I think that's incredibly important. Mm -hmm. What do you, so, so as we sort of round out the conversation here, because I, I'm so excited about this, what are you what are you hoping at the end of the season? Because I kind of asked you episode to episode, mm -hmm. but now I want to ask this question. Like when you're done with the season and you've gone through your show and cancel this is there and people can listen to the collective of the interviews. What mm -hmm. is that feeling that you want or that lesson that you want with all of it? You know, there's going to be multiple lessons out of it. And I think the number one lesson that no matter what, when I leave an interview, I'm always asking my people, we, we've stirred up some things and we've stirred up some emotions and I don't want to fall into the news networks of stirring up emotions and that being the go-to, but we hit some issues that I believe no matter what are going to stir up some emotions. So I want each guest to leave us with a message of hope. I want to be like, all right, give us something that we can walk away from where we can go deeper in this subject, but not go deeper in anger and divisiveness. Where can we find the common divide? How do you do this? How have you found ways to grow deeper and closer to Christ? Because ultimately, Billy, everything I do is I just want people to, to find the same hope that you and I have found. And I want to do it in not just controversial, scary conversations, 
dude, I'm going to bring on some guests that I've spoken to before. And we're going to have some just straight up messages of some crazy fire ground stories where, where people found God on the fire ground. And, and I'm going to bring in, you know, stories of hope. But I also want to interject that we can talk about absolutely everything. And we want it to be a Christ-centered conversation, even if the other person isn't Christ-centered. I want each episode and the whole season to stay Christ-centered. And I'll be honest with you, if at the end of the season that doesn't happen, I would be the first to come to you guys and say, let's cancel this. Seriously, let's cancel this. You know? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> let's that was like the amen on the end. That was a great... <laughs> Well, I think it's going to be great. And I, I appreciate you allowing me to be here for this first episode to talk yeah. it through because I think I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait well, to see what you do. You know, like I mentioned, I don't know our name of this episode one or episode zero. You're the zero. I'm the zero. Who knows on this whole thing? What would like, episode zero? I mean, this is it. It's the prequel. Right. Right. Well, the cool thing about it is also, you know me, my life is an open book, which scares the heck out of people sometimes, is recurring guests, man. Every once in a while, I'm like, yo, Billy, come back on. There's something that just came out and I need your review. Lucas Miles, who I look up to as an amazing pastor and I love his view. And, and check it out. After speaking with Lucas a few times, man, he is not just one-sided on his views, man. His views are so open and, and amazing and beautiful. I wanted certain guests that just resonate with the way that, that we're talking about some, they're coming back through again, you know, cause, cause regardless of where this goes, man, it's not just going to be a season one, two, three, or four. I'm in this for the long haul and let's just bob and weave with whatever this fallen world throws our way and let's interject some Christ into it on our way. I love it. Well, thanks for having me tonight. I appreciate uh, it. All right, brother. You have a great night. Thanks for your time, Billy. I really appreciate you. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it, or did you only make it part way? I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.